Welcome to Coded in Canada. I'm Sean Crabtree. Today we'll be talking with Colin Howe, managing partner at Howe Creative, a consulting firm specializing in strategic advisory, growth, and commercializing innovation. He also sits currently on the Viatech Board of Directors, has been recognized as the top 40 under 40 for British Columbia and Vancouver Island, as well as nominated finalist for Ernst & Young's Emerging Entrepreneur of the Year. He also sits on the BC Innovation Council as Entrepreneur-in-Residence, as well as being a trusted strategic advisor to many others. Colin has spent the last 20 years in Victoria and witnessed the very interesting changes and growth in the technology sector. Let's hear from him now. Pick up on the keyword angle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of post. Yeah, uh, so, so the tapes are really big. Yeah, saying. we were, yeah. and just like television was like the was interesting to me about the create the you know you and I were talking about the storytelling process and right. creativity, uh, but I found myself in quite technical positions. Mm-hmm. Then when I was teaching, I I unfortunately didn't you know I found myself not still not teaching the creative side of storytelling, and mm-hmm. even though a lot happens in post, you're often trying to make a story out of somebody else's idea. That's right. what happens in post is mm-hmm. you're inheriting. Yeah. all of the raw material and seeing if there was a story there. Right. Um, no, you better make one. Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes you feel <laughs> With like... all of these pieces. Oftentimes, <laughs> oftentimes you feel like that. You're like, and what was this about? Um, and then, uh, yeah, I got internet fever. Um, and you're seeing how all the content could go out. Over yeah, and I was working at the time, and I think um, the film school that I was in, it really, like, uh, parts of it were really enjoyable to me. Uh, it taught me a lot about organization because I had mm-hmm. a, like a student body and an instructor, you know, a, um, what do you call faculty, yeah, right. and then I had uh, the owners of the school, and then I had the administration, mm-hmm. and it turns out all of those groups wanted different things all the time. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot about organizational structure mm-hmm. and process around how to manage divergent stakeholder groups early in my life. Like that was my there was high altitude training in that for me because mm-hmm. uh, they were so diverse and they all wanted different things and they all and they kind of so managing everybody's expectations and managing a process that tried to help everybody uh, be successful in what they were doing was tricky right. at a small film school. Yeah, um, internet came along. Uh, actually, my uh, I convinced my older brother who was a waiter, career waiter, to take a one year technical diploma uh-huh. I said dude this internet thing is for real and he know <laughs> and he's like you know he worked in a really nice restaurant he'd made really good money working very few hours and you know but I think he knew it was sort of like okay I need a career change I was like take this tech program and he's like computers you know because n- even though we always had like all the computers the TRC the Apple IIe we always had them it was our younger brother who was actually the hacker my older brother my older brother and I we were more like, hey, let's, can you play games on that? Or, you know, I'd make my name scroll across the screen, but never got as far as actually programming. Uh-huh. And, and uh, so we, uh, he took this graduate certificate program called the Applied Management and Information Technology at UVic. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. And uh, halfway through, he got a co-op job or whatever at this software company. Uh-huh. Uh, and I can't remember which the order of attack was, but... So this is real, this is kind of the root of technology in Victoria and the internet nice. of technology in Victoria. There was a company here in town called ACD Systems, right. 
And what they, ACD Systems was a company that was making, what, what it standed for was automated catalog distribution systems. Mm. And the owners and founders had intended it for it to be a, a CD-ROM based solution for looking up car parts. What they didn't know was that they hired a brilliant engineer who built an amazing imaging interface on top of that called ACDC, mm. like the rock band, except it was SEE, so mm. ACDC. Right. You know? And that product um, was the most, one, maybe one of the top, like after WinZip, maybe the top piece of shareware in the world for imaging viewing in the world. And so WinZip was massive, oh, yeah, like for sure. freeware, right? Yeah, so freeware that. was just the first thing, like what preceded what apps and everything was, and software distribution was shareware, right? apps you could get for free. Yeah. And then if you used it a lot, it like might that. prompt you yeah. to bother you to say, hey, maybe you should pay for this. You've been using it forever. Yeah, yeah. So it was like shareware. Yeah, That's what yeah. we call it. So we had one of the original, most successful shareware companies in the world here in Victoria. How I found out about them was they were bundled with Mosaic. Mosaic was the first internet browser sure. that could load images. Right. I mean, there were browsers before Mosaic, but right. my experience of the internet really right. happened in Mosaic, where right. all of a sudden I was seeing graphically intensive web pages. Right. Of course, Mark Anderson's work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and they bundled yeah. ACDC. No. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there on, you know, in on my whatever 9600 baud modem. Yeah. Yeah. coming in and I'm see uh, the prompt and the copyright of this application ACDC Victoria BC and I'm in Victoria and I'm like that's impossible you know <laughs> in, in a way and then yeah. so and I don't remember if I said to my brother you need to go get a co-op at this company yeah, yeah. or if he happened to get a co-op while I was like I can't remember right. the order of attack but we definitely zeroed in on that company he and I like there was a strategic Right. We should go we work there. This guy. Yeah. We got to go work I, there. I can see st strategy in many of your yeah. titles here. So <laughs> yeah. And I, I think what it was, was I just said, there's, <clears throat> this thing is going to, it's going to be big. I don't know what it means, but it's going to be big. Right. And so he went and got a co-op job there, technical co-op. Yeah. He's, that was the last technical job he ever had. Um, <laughs> and, and then I got a, I had to take a few runs at getting a job there. The first time I went in, I went in through the founders and then owners of the company and I kind of met with them for breakfast and said you know they're like hi yeah, nice to meet you what do you want to do I said I want to build your company you know yeah. and they were like thank you very much you know and I got <laughs> up and left yeah that was it <laughs> that was the most failed non-job interview I ever had uh, but what ended up happening was was uh, the guy who was the vice president of marketing and sales who my brother had met while he was doing his co-op there he put him on to me and I met with him and he I changed my pitch right? yeah I said what do you need me to do Bingo. Yeah, and he was like, I need you to come in and be the marketing coordinator. So I got in through the marketing coordinator job posting that they had, but I, uh, I mean, the reality was, was within 30 days, I was running their management meetings wow. for the company. And then, uh, you know, just my career kind of snowballed there because mm -hmm. really nobody had the organizational strategy side of it figured out. Mm -hmm. Like that was not anybody else's job mm -hmm. and nobody was taking it on. Yeah. And I just come from a place where that was the only reason we were still in business right. at the film school. Right. So I immediately became the glue guy who right. was trying to figure out who are we hiring? Why are we hiring them? Who's running what department and team? Mm -hmm. 
who's fiscally managing different spends, who's making decisions around spending, who's making decisions around strategy, who's making all the decisions here, and what's the process? And I applied my kind of interest and passion and, and to figuring it out. Wow. While we took the company public and grew 100% year over year for four years. Wow. That's so that, that was the birth of my tech career. Right. Was sort of being thrown into an environment that was really chaotic and really growing fast. Right. And had a lot of externalities, uh, international business partners, uh, the process of going public, mm-hmm. uh, 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 um, what I would say is an interesting but inexperienced group of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by that is most people were doing the job they had there the first time ever. Right. Right. Because right. there were, you know, you didn't have software product managers in 1998. Yeah. Like, no, not in Victoria. Right. Like, Definitely if you post that Victoria. job, you ain't getting one. Right. Nobody's coming to knock. <laughs> You're hiring somebody who's doing something that might look like that and then hoping you can get them there. Right. So a huge part of it for me was like hiring, onboarding, training, mm-hmm. and then but you know, built out different aspects of that company. Like there was no product management office, so we right. created one. Right. There was no project management office for all the IT related stuff, so we right. created one. Wow. There was no IT department per se, there was one guy, we created a department. So all of that was a big part of what I got to do, which was build the company. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I'm very fortunate that I had so much support and encouragement from the people who didn't want to do it. <laughs> <I'll bet. laughs> you know, it was amazing how much they let me do yeah <laughs> wow so and you it, really had the free reins I did and, wow. and that's and incredible yeah I was given pretty much uh, I felt like there was you know I remember and it went to my head a little bit yeah you know a <laughs> little bit imagine. I think you know I was yeah. not in a bad way but just right. like I felt really empowered but I felt a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. And so then when things were difficult, I think my tolerance for people to come in and sort of be dictatorial or try and change what I was doing without the awareness that I had. Was, right. And I was, so, I'm, you know, it did lead to conflict and I learned about that and I learned about yeah. a lot of things there. Yeah, I'll bet you did. Yeah, so it was like a really amazing experience overall though and I don't regret it at all. And yeah. of course, it kind of helped me to be who I am. So Yeah, for sure. Um, but that company, you know, hatched out a whole bunch of really talented and interesting projects and people and companies. And uh, I went and did my master's degree at Royal Roads, but I went there while I was working at the film school, mm-hmm. and I did my master's in leadership and training. Yeah. And the, really, I thought, okay, the combination of leadership and training is kind of perfect because I'm running a post-secondary education place. Right, right. That will help me. But what happened was, was excuse me, I'm, um, what happened was, <clears throat> I signed up for my master's, I got into my master's, and then I went... I want to go work for the software company. Mm-hmm. So I jumped out of my career in filmmaking and teaching film into a career in building an internet company. And my master's, like I finished half of the my master's, but like I jumped midship. Mm-hmm. The problem was, was that running a film school, as challenging as it was, was really a kind of a 40 hour a week job. Mm-hmm. You know, it was kind of a nine to five thing. Right. Yeah, it was when it was open. Kind of a no brainer. Students uh-huh. come, they leave. They don't want to be there late, nor do the faculty. Yeah. You stay late. You're by yourself. Yeah. You know, uh, going into an internet company in 1998. Big difference. Seventy hour weeks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> double. So yeah, just right away. Yeah. You know, just like seven to seven, and then weekends when wow. you felt like it, because right. it was always happening. Right. Like the work never stopped, and it was, and the opportunity seemed to be. 
just a reflection of scale of the amount of energy you put into it. Yeah, yeah. So what do you feel like doing? Because that's what's <laughs> going to happen back to you. Right. So, you know, and for, um, I think for myself and for my brother at the time, because we worked really well together, and he kind of became business development in that mm -hmm. company, mm -hmm. and I became operations. Mm -hmm. And we kind of, uh, I mean, there were a lot of other people, and brilliant, talented people, and I could spend the whole radio yeah. talk show yeah, with yeah, you yeah. talking yeah. through all of their names and all the yeah, amazing yeah. things they did. But he and I really had an interesting kind of him being front office, me being kind of back office yeah. people, him looking at the growth of the business mm -hmm. from our, like we had a whole management team on top of us, <laughs> you know, but we were just doing what we were doing right, and it was, right. uh, it was a really great experience, but I left there. So I was in Germany when September 11th happened oh, wow. mm -hmm. and, uh, we had a small team there, and it and really the you know the meltdown the dot com meltdown really did coincide with September eleventh, mm -hmm. like they really kind of came together to build a double crescendo of shittiness for sure, right? Yeah, and so it was like, and so the world changed overnight for us. And uh, when I came back, the company kind of decided you know there a lot of the guys that were running the company at the time, and I don't slight them for it were really watching their personal stock portfolio and figuring out how they could cash out on this public company that they were a part of, which that's what people who were in these companies do. And Absolutely. so I'm not begrudging them, but yeah. what that did was shift our culture. And so instead of being in growth mode, we were in profit mode all of a sudden because mm -hmm. profit would buoy our share price. Right. So we had done year over year growth for four years. Mm -hmm. That next uh, then, then the mandate was, okay, we're going to finish this year at a loss unless we cut. So we cut 35% of our headcount oh, wow. um, in the spring. And I was given the task of cutting uh, a portion of what that um, staff was. I was given a piece of paper saying, can you, you know, put some names on this piece of paper and cut a bunch of your people. At the time, I was running the internationalization team because mm -hmm. so I'd been... This is a long backstory, but yeah. one line was is I didn't have anybody that I really felt I could cut without seriously diminishing the value of the company and service. Sure. Absolutely. Like I didn't have anybody that was like kind of like doing yeah. finger painting in the corner. <laughs> Everybody was like maxed out. Yeah. And we were, a lot of the frontline staff were mine. Yeah. So it was like, I didn't see it. So I did the thing that made sense to me, which was put my own name on the piece of paper. Wow. Right. Um, and I don't regret that. But, you know, it definitely launched me into a big unknown because my title at the time was Director of Globalization. Right. <laughs> so there was like six jobs just down the road in Victoria for Director of Globalization yeah, from a software sure. company yeah. in 2001. Yeah. I'm sure they're all looking for you. Yeah. yeah. So needless to say, I was like highly unemployed yeah. and highly unemployable in my particular job unless I was willing right. to relocate. And at the time, uh, Nicole and I decided that we wanted to stay in Victoria. Wow. So, um, I just immediately went back to my master's degree, which I put on hold because I couldn't finish it while I was doing this crazy internet thing. Right. Went and wrote my thesis, uh -huh. got that done, kind yeah. of just got it over with. I did it like kind of did a 90 day cram. Yeah. Like seriously, 15 hours a day, created a room in my house yeah. full of books and my computer just nice. to do my thesis <laughs> and I did it I just was like I'm gonna do this and just bared down and I'll did be it. out in the spring yeah basically it was and uh, our, I think our son at the time was one so it was kind of a nice time to be at home anyway mm -hmm. um, and then I started my first software company that fall and, and that was law that was no G Photo Space mm -hmm. 
No. No, that was a spin-off as before uh, that. Okay. I don't even yeah. know if it shows up on my LinkedIn because yeah. it's so far back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it was called How to Share Technologies, H2ST. Okay. Well, yeah, and, I did see that. Yeah. yeah, it might be on there. And we launched a, a photo sharing app called Pixbo. And then that, but it was peer-to-peer based. Right. And so then we launched a video sharing platform called uh, Mixbo. Uh-huh. And we, uh, we were in that kind of, um, you know, rich media apps on, you know, time mm-hmm. when lots of that stuff was coming out. Mm-hmm. The company was, uh, um, raised a whole bunch of money. I sort of ran the company uh, as an R&D lab, effectively trying to build out this new, like, kind of state-of-the-art tech. At the time, the tech, even mm-hmm. some of the tech we did then was, like, still isn't mm-hmm. really, like, massively readily available. We were doing mm-hmm. real-time streaming point-to-point. Wow. So, like, if I shot video of you right now yeah. on my phone, yeah. it would stream it to my home PC and then yeah. serve it worldwide. Wow. And we were building that stuff in 2002. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I could blow the minds of venture capitalists. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't get any customers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to say, how big is that megapixel? One point yeah, no. two. Well, three? It wasn't, it well I, ha- I happened to have, like, <laughs> seriously, I had people on my team, and I could, like, once again, some of the most brilliant engineers in the world yeah. I had on my team. Like, the, uh, here in Victoria. Here in Victoria. Oh, wow. Well, one guy's gone, one guy went on to build Dropcam. And was the core engineer that did that that sold to Google yeah. for I think five hundred million dollars. Yeah, right. That's One of the right. other guys who was key in my team is like running security for Apple Store worldwide now. So like we're talking about guys that are have gone on to like yeah. become become what they were, but they were in it, my little company, you know, getting paid terribly, but they yeah. they liked me, so it was okay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, we we had an amazing run. We had an amazing run. We raised a whole bunch of money. Once again, I learned a whole new skill set, right? Mm-hmm. Which was raising money, raising money, yeah. and 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 then I also learned a whole bunch of things that I shouldn't, you know, that I didn't, you know, tough lessons too, right? Mm-hmm. Around strategy and execution, and um, but we were able to build a really dynamic and cohesive team, and that really what I realized was, despite the fact that we may have been slightly misguided on mm-hmm. our product strategy and the fact that how we uh, the compellingness of our group. Yeah. and the power of what we could accomplish yeah. uh, never wavered. And right. so we were always getting seen as something that was viable and an asset. And I think a lot of it was about that human capital right. that really stood up in front of everybody. And they, we had good product. It made sense, but we weren't getting traction. Right. right? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a huge need at the time as well. Like, uh, the point it, it of was obvious, sharing. right, with no upload time. Like who and could no, even do that? Right, who exactly. Who want to? Who could that even was, imagine that's possible? It was amazing. What right. we had was, we jokingly, yeah. we say, like, our technology was amazing, yeah. but we kind of didn't predict the evolution of web apps. Yeah. And so we were building desktop software, uh-huh. and it was right when everybody thought all desktop software came with viruses. So right. you remember when you stopped yeah. downloading apps because you thought, well, I'm going to get spyware with that. For sure. We were in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. And so we were trying to distribute the old way, shareware way, right, like that right, we'd right. learned. Uh-huh. And the world had gone to web-style plugins like Flickr, where right. the app is running behind the web browser. That's right. And we didn't make the pivot. And mm-hmm. uh, we used to joke that, you know, we had Pixbo and we had Mixbo, but really what we had was Complexbo <laughs> because it was, like, just hard to use. Right. right? And, the, right. you know, it was like that. We always say, you know, you need to be able to sit down to a new piece of software and le- learn to use it in 20 seconds. Right. Right. Except ours, it took 20 minutes. Right. You know, right, right, and it right, was right, like right. that, it, that inherent. And also like, I don't think people really understood what was happening behind the scenes. Like mm-hmm. I think they'd look at it and see, Hey, there's pictures, there's people. 
hey, there's people in pictures. And they didn't realize that like, oh, I'm browsing that person's hard disk and the content on their hard disk and I'm streaming from their home PC to my screen. Like, I don't think nobody, people can get it, you know, because we made it invisible because we didn't think it was like, it was like, if it just works, it doesn't matter. But it turns out, like, oh, 2002. That's there's like, a little bit of Star Trek. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't, we weren't explaining it super well. Yeah. So, it was like iPod days. I mean, we had, like, the physical click wheel. Yeah. We, like, I, like, I seriously mean, like, right now, if you, re, like, if you re-architected what we were doing using modern technology and a better interface, yeah. there's, there, it's still not done. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. we still are all struggling with all of our media being captured all over. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got phones on my uh, pictures on my phone that aren't on my PC right. that only if I'm willing to pay Apple will let me push them to the iCloud right. and then I'm trying to stick stuff on Google Photos because I'm using right. Gmail and it's like yeah. it is it's, it's still a mess it's a mess uh, don't even get me started on calendars yeah I mean, how, oh exactly how, how can a calendar yeah well calendar? you know you can get this you know calendar integration app that then you have to service with all the calendars that you have and play. right yeah oh my god <laughs> uh, I, I, that just it, it's, it yeah. floors me well let me fast forward a sure. little bit to yeah. um I saw that, uh, of course, you had G Photo Space, yeah. and it failed. You said, dude, that was a fast fail. The Google and uh, Picasso marriage. Yeah. Well, no. So what happened with G Photo Space was, yeah. this is a good story, uh-huh. and I hope somebody from Google is listening. <laughs> so, I had this notion. I was I became a very fast and avid Gmail user when Google launched Gmail. Yeah. I thought this is too. brilliant. Yeah. Like all the other mail apps sucked, right? But in, instantaneously yeah. we're garbage. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. I was like, okay, this is the best email application ever built. Right. It's clean, it's fast, it's easy, good. Shortcuts. Shortcuts. Yeah. The one problem I had with it was that uploading was a drag and it would lock up my browser window like when I wanted to put on too many attachments. It just was slow. It just would like clog up my CPU processor and lock me out of web browsing. Because multi-tab browsing and all that wasn't really a thing quite yet. Right. So I was looking at it and I thought, well, hang on. Chrome is, when Chrome came out, it was built on the same kind of theory that Firefox was built. Right. Which is an open API for apps yeah, yeah. to be plugged in. Uh, yeah. I can't remember what the Mozilla Foundation. I can't remember what the yeah, yeah. what the API was. Yeah. But what happened? So I had this notion. I was sitting there and I was looking at it and I was thinking, okay, well we know how to like background stream content like crazy, yeah. like in my what we did with Pixbo. Right. But what we have here is a pent up audience uh-huh. with a problem, and I have a solution. There are millions of people already using this, right. and I know they're struggling with the same thing I'm struggling with, right. which is I want to share photos with you, yeah. but it takes too long. Right. Okay. And I know how to fix it. And I know an engineer who's my co-founder at, at How to Share mm-hmm. that could code this. Mm-hmm. So he and I just put our heads together and I said, I'll t- like I'll I'll pay some money, you do this part-time, I'll do this part-time. Yeah, yeah. We'll co-own this solution. Let's build a browser extension behind Chrome mm-hmm. that plugs into Gmail that allows for background stream uploading and streaming of content. In behind Gmail, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then and their experiments. Experiment, yeah. and then what we'll do is we'll hack into, in a nice way, hack into. Yeah. We'll get people to log into their own Google account so they can have access to using this powerful technology. Mm-hmm. But it's all in the container. We can't see their stuff. We're not hacking access right. to their stuff. It's just a funnel. It's just a funnel to allow the background uploading of photos, and it's taking all of the authentication that your Gmail has. Yeah. So, without being super technical, what this yeah. looked like to experience to use it was. You're in a very Gmail-like experience, but what you're doing is creating these massive photo sharing emails that you can take your entire Mexico trip and all 120 images 
and click a button and all your friends and family are getting it. Really cool, right? Yeah, Google totally. thought so too. <laughs> so it started with, yeah, I went to a browser extension conference and I got up and pitched. And right away, one of the product managers from Google Photos came up to me and was like, that's really impressive. I really like your idea. Can we talk about this? And I was like, yeah, we can talk about this. And he says, where, how far along are you? How big is your team? I said, well, two people. And so we got into the kind of M&A conversation pretty quickly. And then he's like, okay, well, let, let's, let me go and download and think about what you're doing. And then, you know, I talked to him about two weeks later and he's like, yeah, I think we should be probably planning some kind of get together and like very friendly and, you know, but I didn't do like a feature dump, but I was really transparent with him. No, I think it maybe was eight or nine weeks later that they launched a single release feature called background uploading. And it was just so exactly what we had built. And, and it was like, wow. Okay. Like, cause Welcome maybe, to the big leagues. Yeah. And I think like, I just, I, I think I was naive and I think I also, um, I don't know. I think I maybe thought that it would be smarter and better for them to think, well, these guys innovated that. Right. What else will they innovate? Like, I thought we, they would value our capability right. as much as the solution. Right. But what they valued was the solution. It taught me a lot about Google, mm-hmm. uh, maybe just in that circumstance. And I've had lots of dealings with Google. So it's not like I mm-hmm. think they're all one way. But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to me, I, I'm not, I didn't sort of go, oh, they're so evil. Mm-hmm. I, I was a little bit like, shame on me yeah. for being so gullible and thinking that you know but it was a good learning lesson so yeah you know g photo space is just like it looks like a uh uh tombstone on my linkedin (laughs) to remind people i don't know if i've actually written in there google kind of ripped me off on my idea and did it better than me quickly after me that's probably what it did say (laughs) and i'm okay (laughs) well maybe someone will put that on your wikipedia page (laughs) Over there. I'm curious about um, Lolly, but I also want to. I see we just have about ten minutes. Yeah. Um, if you uh, want to give us maybe a brief uh, intro into that, because I see it was it was just uh, it was just a year, and I'm yeah. so curious on sure. what the arc of that was. Sure. Uh, so how Lolly? So uh, a lot of what my current work is like is that I. Um, I get approached by companies at early stage companies mm-hmm. to who are trying to figure out uh, some part of where they're at if they're stuck or mm-hmm. they're uh, you know maybe they're trying to market validate their product or they're somewhere stuck in their process mm-hmm. you know they or or they think they need more help they need mm-hmm. more guidance or more strategy right. so um, a friend of mine was working with this. Uh, these two guys out of Vancouver, one was a lawyer mm-hmm. uh, and the other was an IT guy. Mm-hmm. And they, um, long and short of it was I was introduced to them through, a, um, you know, their curiosity about whether they were taking the approach of, uh, kind of, have you ever heard of Doctors on Demand? Yeah. Okay. So they thought that was their original concept was, we'll just take law, law online. Right. We'll make like legal appointments and meetings online. Right. Um, I, you know, my view of it at the time was that I didn't know if that was a business. Yeah. I, I didn't understand if the legal profession could work that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I couldn't make an assumption that that would work or not. Right. But what I knew was that 
if you look at the way lo- the, the legal profession and law and society is affected, and I don't know if you know much about it in BC, and I don't know if it's true everywhere else, mm-hmm. but like the courts are backlogged in a way that is like, it's not like general public knowledge probably how bad it is, uh-huh. but it's really, 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 really bad. Wow. Yeah. So like, um, th- it's like the gap is growing and we can't keep up mm-hmm. and we can't, and like, and part of it is, is because people can't resolve their own issues, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so the law is getting more and more involved with more and more stuff, but it's actually quite petty and minor, but it becomes expensive and major mm-hmm. through the intervention of law, mm-hmm. right? So law has become the, what was a solution has now become its own form part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And so when we looked at Lolly, what we were looking at was, is there a way to disintermediate law mm-hmm. from the process? So you and I have a dispute. Mm-hmm. Uh, you build a fence mm-hmm. and you don't get the property lines checked and you build it on a mile on. Mm-hmm. And so um, you wanted me to pay for half of the fence because it was a, a friend, a neighborly fence, mm-hmm. fence, but you built it onto my property and I'm pissed off and I don't feel like I should have to pay half of the fence that you built on my property. Right. That escalates. We both get lawyers. We lawyer up. <laughs> We're going to fight about this, and I'm going to take you to small claims court, and you're going to... And all of a sudden, it's a process. Right. And it's a process that really should have been reconciled a different way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so what we did with Lolly, what happened was, was uh, we, the, the lawyer in Vancouver, who's a really awesome guy, mm-hmm. and I really liked him, was really into doing something that mattered. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was was that they had built out a technical platform for two years that he heavily invested in, mm-hmm. and that it was uh, he was carrying this legacy code base that he had paid for, mm-hmm. and that he was trying to figure out what to do with. And so he got, we got in we got involved late, mm-hmm. and we started trying to figure out how to make this a solution and pivot mm-hmm. what was going on. Mm-hmm. But the pivot was so large. Mm-hmm. That it was like the re-up and the reinvestment was going to get back into half a million, million dollars right. of new money on top of the old money. And, you know, sometimes you're just like, yeah. are we going for that or are we not going for that? Right. right? Is that is that really what we're going to do? And I think we hit that wall, mm-hmm. you know, as a group. And it was just like a question of like, who's in on this? Because really what carries things, and you need capital, but really you need talent. Mm-hmm. And the talent has to really believe and feel that it's going to be doing something that really matters. Right. right. And no amount of capital in the absence of talent is going to make something good happen, mm. right? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Any company I've ever been in, if there weren't good people there, if it's yep. going to amount to anything, it's because there's good people trying to do something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think we just had that awareness. Not You mm-hmm. you would see in my profile, yeah. although all, not all of the tombstones are in there, but yeah. like there are tombstones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think it's bad. Yeah. You know, in this type of business... I mean, that's one thing I always joke about is... It's a badge of honor. Yeah. yeah. It's 20-year overnight success. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, I think, like, uh, I often say that the reason that I'm successful in the work I do now, which is really strategic advisory, is because I mm-hmm. failed a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and people are happy to pay me to help them not fail like I did. Right. So they have to find their own way to fail. <laughs> and then sometimes I can help them avoid it, but... You know that it's uh, you know um, that's what comes with uh, being in this profession and trying to do this work for a long time is that you you learn you you have new failings all the time. I'm sure I got a whole bunch of new ones coming to me. Yeah, yeah. But you know that's really important because I think that it, it, 
you know, startups and entrepreneurship is a process of learning to fail successfully. This sounds funny, right? But that's how you do it. You fail successfully because you take the learnings, you keep moving, Mm -hmm. you do something else, you keep learning, you grow, you try, you know. And I think, you know, that's, uh, it's uncomfortable, right? So. Yeah, it goes against our nature. Yeah. 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 So. Well, let's leave it there. Okay. Uh, More from Colin after the break. Let's take a short break for our sponsor, Roundtable Consulting. Roundtable Consulting serves organizations in providing facilitation and research, as well as business and strategic planning needs. Roundtable Consulting also helps with reconciliation, from building a more inclusive workplace to diversity training. Learn more at roundtableconsulting.ca. My thanks to Roundtable Consulting for their support. Now let's get back to the podcast. All right, and we're back. For uh, for those of you who care, um, we recorded this, uh, the first one, uh, about a week and a half ago, and we're doing part two, uh, and it just happens to be after the Viatech Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. wow. Yeah, it was awesome. Man. Yeah, first of all. Loved it. Erin Skillen. Yeah, she killed it. Crushed it. Killed it. Cr- yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she could do that for a living. Oh, you she, know what I mean? Like she's she she's very talented. Silicon Valley. Yeah, she's very talented. Yeah, that could have yeah. been a Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I felt really uh yeah, super appreciated that. Yeah. And I, really honestly, I don't know who else could do that. Like and I mean uh-huh. that sincerely. I don't yeah. know who else Yeah. I don't because it takes a particular type of person and then also her familiarity with the community uh-huh. the combination For sure. of yeah. her having kind of what I'll call like mad entertainment skills and yeah. kind of uh, being able to ad lib on the fly yeah. and make sense of like that yeah. and then also the fact that she actually knows the community and is part of it yeah so it was pretty we were I think just we're all very fortunate to have that happen Oh, and then the entertainment awesome. value right not yeah. just because, you know, an award show can be tough. Yeah. Right? It's, it can it's, be dry. It can be. Oh, you know, there's... It can be painful. People, that, you know, sponsors have mic time. Right. Recipients have mic time. Right. It's tricky. Not everybody wants to listen to everybody. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. There's a lot of ADD in the room. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And Right? And then, Disproportionate and then put amount. It, and then pour, like, copious amounts of alcohol in. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but... I think it actually held together super well, and then the entertainment value was incredible, right? Oh, so, yeah. The, oh, my um, God, yeah. I just, I was actually just really blown out. So, you know, full kudos yeah. to the, yeah. Oh, for sure. And and um, opening up with Back in Black, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I thought it was going to be some dry opening or whatever, and a lot of people were just taking their seats. Mm-hmm. A lot of people weren't even in the auditorium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... I'm pretty sure it started at 7.30 sharp. It did say that, but yeah. the Tech Community in Victoria is notoriously uh, uh, rambunctious uh-huh. for the awards, clearly, uh-huh. right? And yeah. it, it's sort of like, we don't... I think it's like, it is the one big event of the year. Yeah. Like, there aren't three. You know, we don't do a big New Year's party. We don't do a Christmas party. Uh-huh. We don't do a... It's the award show. Yeah. And everybody kind of gets a little crazy. Yeah. And it's fun. Right? And yeah. I think it's like uh, it cu- everybody cuts loose. And yeah. I think it's really nice, right? Because I don't know if you've ever 
Like I know in the States, there's probably award shows that are kind of getting that way or have that feel. Yeah. But in like the, and this isn't to take anything away from Vancouver, but I've been mm-hmm. to a couple of big award shows in Vancouver, not mentioning names, mm-hmm. and they're not like that at all. Huh. You know, they don't have that vibe. They don't have that kind of fun, a little bit loose, maybe a little crazy, yeah, yeah. you know, whereas Vitek Awards has that vibe. That's you know. awesome. Yeah, yeah that's so. awesome. And I can't believe they pulled it together. Um, I ran into uh, Georgia Cowell. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, we, we take the bus in the morning. <laughs> okay, she's awesome. Yeah, yeah. she said, yeah, absolutely. And, and she was saying, uh, I, I mentioned about Tessa Boosfield. Yeah. And she was saying like an hour or so before. <laughs> you know, of course, they said on stage, you know, just like, there's just no way. This is the way. And she was saying to Georgia, I said a little more harsher. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it just must have been manic behind stage. Yeah. I think... Hours before. Just manic. It's a big production. Yeah. And uh, and Tessa's right in the middle of it. Yeah. Right? Like, she's the, she quarterbacks the thing. Uh-huh. And so, you know, she's, you know, she's calling audibles and... She's making it happen. Oh, she did all the cues. All I think she your, she just run. She's like in the. She's. I mean, Dan's kind of probably executive producing, right? Yeah, yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. And then she's producing. Yeah. She's uh, producing. That's my understanding of it. I mean, I don't. For sure. I honestly, I try and not talk to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like, like I try and send encouraging texts for yeah. like two days before. Like that's that's it. You right. know, just like happy thoughts. Yeah. Because it's. Uh, um, I mean, like anything, it's a big project and it's stressful. And it, sure. you only have one shot at it and you want it to come off. Yeah. And the Vitek Awards have gathered a reputation for being an, ex- an exceptionally fun and interesting event. Uh-huh. So just like, and you know, you know, it's hard, you know, you want to outdo yourself a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure they do. Uh-huh. That one would be hard to top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I thought I thought a couple of other really interesting ones too, like... Uh, Times Colonist. I thought that was some interesting remarks that they came out with. Yeah. Um, Razul was, I thought that was beautiful. Razul was awesome. Yeah, he came yeah. out and he just, he's, he's, second sentence or first sentence, you know, it was, you know, let's let's remember this land, you know. It was, yeah. You know, he's a really thoughtful guy. That's fantastic. Yeah, he's a know? thoughtful guy. I mean, he's a, he's a great human being. Right. Like he and I are pretty good friends. Oh, that's and, great. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's just, he's super thoughtful. Yeah. You know, he's just that kind of guy. He, puts a lot of thought into what he probably thought a lot about what he wanted to get across and he did it really nicely it didn't seem sort of, sort of uh, scripted overly scripted but it was thoughtful and, yeah and meaningful so. yeah and he didn't say a lot but he said a lot yeah it didn't take exactly yeah. he's not he doesn't he didn't pad he was, yeah. it wasn't long or drawn out but it was yep. a fa- you know it was uh, I think he said what he needed to say and it worked yeah you know so yeah definitely uh, it kind of got the night off in a good way yeah yeah so. for sure um yeah, I think that was that was a bit. Oh, I mean the entertainment. I mean those guys. That, yeah, I mean the the choir. You yeah, know, the choir. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the uh, the vod atomic the vo- vaudeville. That stuff's top shelf. Wow. I mean that. Like I would yeah. say, I would say, yeah. like so, you know, just take the awards out of it for a minute, like, mm-hmm. and just think like the entertainment value. Yeah. Like just. I mean, when they have like ten different or. Yeah, I can't. I don't even things. know. Like yeah. I like honestly, I like. So it's interesting, you know, being on the board and and doing what we do. Uh, we don't get involved in that yeah, because yeah. we're overhead in that way. Do you know what sure. I mean? And it's yeah. not really our place. High level. Yeah, yeah. Like we, I mean, they just need so they just need to know that they're encouraged and supported to do what they need to do. And yeah, uh, I'm sure if you want, you know, if we wanted to help in some way, 
it would probably be the like more tactical not strategic because you know there's only so much room for so much strategy when you're trying to do something like that for sure and uh, a lot of opinions isn't going to make it better yeah you know so oh yeah um less people yeah so even like you know the most i've ever been involved was uh last year and the year before i emceed so did the little like what result did this year i did that part the two previous years but a little different right it was a little different uh setup and timing and i had to kind of do some stuff but yeah uh very much like my part was like, here you go, Colin. These are your talking points. You're on it this time. You're off at this. Like, it is not like, let me just get up and do what I want. No. <laughs> and then insert something funny here. Yeah. That's, that's what you get to do. <laughs> try. Try. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes that, that backfires. I don't know yeah. if you've ever, like, you know, sometimes when you try and go up and think you're going to try and be funny, it's like, boom. Yep. <laughs> boom. Right, like Groaner. Yeah. That wasn't funny at all, dude. You know, and then other times you get up there and you're not even trying to be funny and people are laughing. You're like, oh, that's working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. um, and I want to call out to the band as well. Yeah. That was so creative. I mean, having them have an original walk-up number for each one. They're, they're, that's, uh, that's awesome. I, yeah, it's interesting. That yeah. drummer in that band is uh-huh. Todd Hooch. He runs MetaMend, which is a tech company in town. Oh, okay. And he and Dan and I play together. Oh, separately okay. okay which is kind of a cool little weird yeah so it's yeah. my buddy up there playing the drums right on that's kind of a small world thing eh? yeah yeah so it's like and i you know the, all the week before he and i are chatting and i'm like are you ready how's it gonna go and he's like i'm excited dude. what he said was playing in that theater the acoustics oh he was like there's not a better sounding room really he's like you know yeah. to play in the royal theater you know, nice. like, so he was really pumped about that. And I mean, they're, they're really tight and they're really yeah. creative and yeah. they can do that stuff. They're all really talented, clearly. Totally. Know, yeah, so. clearly. Yeah. When they, when they had a lick or something that was, that was, I don't know, 20 seconds or 30 seconds. I mean, they nailed it. I mean, yeah. they're, they're doing, they, they, they had a couple of twists, you know, like Sarah, you know, when someone mm-hmm. came up and it, like, it, it's, it sounded like you're listening to the song. I yeah. Mean, I mean, they really, they just. They nailed it. Yeah, it was really creative. I, I love that. Yeah. yeah, and what I and what's cool about it is is that um, yeah, it's it has kind of that uh, it had kind of like uh, like the Tonight Show kind of feel. You know what I mean? It has uh, that vibe yeah. of like the house band right capability. Right. Do you know what I mean? It has yeah. that vibe. You yeah. know, yeah, not yeah. Paul Schaefer, but like you know, yeah. or you know, from let you know, but it has that kind of yeah, like the roots are. They're ha- it's happening right in front of us, and it's all part of the masterpiece, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I thought th- I thought they nailed it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the ending, of course, was it was ridiculous. It was totally fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. all the orcas and stuff. And you know, maybe this is not new to anybody else, but it was new to me. <laughs> yeah, my first and, award uh, well, show. It was, and it was it, fun. Hang on, I, I think got, like I okay. Them. Well, there look. There's, <laughs> what was there like twelve hundred yeah. people there or something? Wow, something like yeah, that. You think, yeah. So yeah. that means there's at least five hundred people there that haven't been there. Oh, because yeah. the other the max was I think seven or eight hundred. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. so you would have been okay. Like I would bet. Oh, that's interesting. I would bet that more than half the people there it was their first award show. Wow. Yeah. In a way, do you know yeah, what I mean? For sure. So just because so more than half the people yeah. the whales are new. Right. So it's awesome. Yeah. And you know, and I I've how many pictures you see online afterwards of people posing with whales? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I got one. Yeah. <laughs> I made sure to grab one. Um, cool. All right. Well, um, it was great and I can't wait to, uh, see next year's. Um, and it was really fun. Um, I don't know if this is a new thing or not, but I love that, uh, there was a video snippet of 
all of these different workplaces and teams, mm -hmm. uh, I really got a feel for their culture. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought it was just enough. Right on. It wasn't too much. You yeah, know? We, and just it was, like 10 seconds well, or whatever it was. So the, the, it was they, nice. they planned on... I mean, this is the part I know. So mm -hmm. I, I, I helped out a tiny bit with the after party mm. um, because they, uh, as we were getting closer, just the management of that, it was easy. Yeah. I didn't do much. I just a few emails and a few phone calls. But um, we were organizing to be at the after party sort of by 10, right? That was right. the intention. The show will wrap at 9.30. Yeah, yeah. Clearly that didn't happen. No. You know, it was like 10.30. It was like 10... <laughs> 15, 20, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. it was a couple of, couple of glasses of champagne in. But, yeah, for sure, for um, sure. But the reality of it was, you know, it went longer and it wasn't dry and boring. Totally. And that, honestly, is like unto itself an achievement uh -huh. for an award show. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, I came out of it kind of feeling like I was fully entertained. I felt really positive. Yeah. Uh, you know, I... I it was nice to see uh, Maya Mackey win. Yeah. You know, um, and Scott Phillips, he was sitting in front of me and he's a buddy. Oh, so yeah. it was just, it was great. And Kano, you know, I don't know. Like I, yeah. I cause just knowing people and then seeing yeah. them get acknowledged feels really good. Yeah. You know, yeah. after after a long time. So. Yeah. Um, I do want to go back to the point that you made, which is, um, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, the length, because I also didn't look at my watch the whole time. And I'm notoriously, like, I will do that. Right. Like, oh, okay. I just got popped out of this sort of reality. Yeah, I got popped back into reality, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, oh, what time is it, right? Yeah. And I didn't look at my watch the whole time until break. And then I compared it to where we're supposed to be. Yeah. And sure, I was surprised it was, you know, much later. Yeah. But not when I was in it. Right. I wasn't looking at my watch when I was in the auditorium. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. That's that is that's a success for sure. And I don't know how yeah. they could have got it to be forty five minutes shorter. Oh yeah, and I, that, that like was I don't my know first where the, there was, was no like, forty five minute gaps. So did people cut it down? Yeah, like if yeah. every, like I don't know where that forty five minutes was. Yeah, in yeah, that yeah. like I can't see. I don't know where that was. Yeah, like where that okay, they could pull forty five minutes out of what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like there was some extreme. There were no super time, long yeah. speeches. Yeah, there yeah. were no long awkward pauses. There were no, no. five ten minute miss calculation yeah. please sit still while we figure out what broke and people took an, a, an appropriate amount of time to get up to the stage yeah in some cases it was really fast yeah in some cases a little bit slower yeah yeah but it was never too crazy yeah, so. yeah, yeah 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 so i thought they did a great job cool uh, moving on yeah so um so we never even got to what you're doing these I days know, I, last think, time. I think i just <laughs> flashback i think i was just bashing google yeah <laughs> Even though I love Google in like in all ways that makes my life work. Right, right, you know, right, right. I think right, I was right. more bashing the, I kind of was playing on the old, uh, don't be evil. Yeah. Just be totally capitalistic and <laughs> dominating. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I think that's, that's not there, is that, is yeah. that evil. Is that evil? No, I'm saying you can do that. <laughs> I support you. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Right. No right. problem, Sergey. <laughs> We're doing great. Yeah. You rock. Kick ass. <laughs> Are those glasses on? Mm. 
Um, so I, so of course, I mean, I see you have eleven things that are current on your on your LinkedIn. Yeah, um, I don't know if I've updated it, so some of it could be fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'm just gonna. Do I have like I'm gonna one line a few there? things. Yeah, here. you go. We, yeah, well, we can draw should, lines. Should we go through through the list? No, let's please not. <laughs> That would mean I feel responsible. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, right. and then I have like, to, oh, I, sh- I really haven't talked to those guys in yeah, a long time. Yeah, exactly. Chief of strategy. Oh, right. They're a client. <laughs> They're doing okay these days. <laughs> oh, that's what that email in all caps is all yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I put you in my spam filter? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that uh. is, now that's evil. <laughs> um, I guess then, um, what. Uh, Maybe a good place to start is um, what consumes a, a large amount of, of your 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 mind these days. You know, Burning like, Man. Yeah, burning <laughs> oh, yeah, or getting up on it. Okay, not yeah. just right now though, because right. the big festival is coming up this weekend, as you know. Oh yeah, probably. for sure, so, for sure. No, uh, I, I did ask I would, a few people. I said, "Hey, Colin's gonna be on the show. What do you think? Uh, what should I ask?" And a hundred percent of the responses were, "Ask about Burning Man." Yeah. No, I'll, I'll talk about that in a yeah. minute, but I'll answer. Like, I think yeah. you're, you know, in alignment with the yeah. work and tech and yeah. what I do. Yeah. Um, what occupies my mind is. Uh, you know, I kind of, my, for me, what makes me feel good about when I'm working and what I like to feel like when I'm working is, is that, um, that I'm, that I'm, that I'm having the impact I want to have, like mm-hmm. that, the, that there are, the results are reflecting, even if not in the re- in the real, in the moment, but mm-hmm. I can feel the potential for the results to be reflected mm-hmm. back at me from my work. That's really important to me and that I feel utilized and, and in a way, optimized against mm-hmm. whatever my work is. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's how I like to feel. Mm-hmm. And so, and I do feel like that a lot in my work. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, my work, even though it, it is kind of, um, there's quite a bit of diversity in my work and I do lots of things. There's actually a a lot of it looks different, but actually is similar in function and form, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is I work with people mm-hmm. who are trying to transform their organizations mm-hmm. to be more successful. That's really what I do. Mm-hmm. And I try and, to be perfectly honest, I try and find people who I can relate to really well and find it easy to believe that they're going to be able to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Those are my telltale signs is that mm-hmm. I find it easy to engage and relate to them mm-hmm. and that they are also capable of doing what they think they want to do or I see the potentiality in what they're saying they want to do mm-hmm. and that I could somehow enable them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's interesting because I guess I'm in a service business, but I, it's more, it doesn't feel like that. Like that's not the dynamic. Like, um, and I don't like... Uh, like I don't, it's very relationship based. Mm-hmm. It's highly relationship based, For and sure. you know, yeah. coaching is a really big trend, right? And coaching and yeah. and mentoring and mm-hmm. that those are aspects exist in my work, but they're not how I think people. I think people would say, yeah, he does coach or he does mentor, but mm-hmm. that's not really what I try and do is partner. I try and like mm-hmm. I try and live in the challenge with the person I'm working with. I don't try and help them just mm-hmm. like 
do it by themselves or try and tell them how they can be more reflective on their challenge. Like some of it's that, but some of it's just actually embracing the problem with them mm-hmm. and saying, what are we up against here? You know, and like mm-hmm. linking arms in a way, mm-hmm. like what, what can we do? How can we think about this differently than we were? Mm-hmm. What do we, you know? Um, and then the other thing that, you know, is, um, strategy is a big part of my work, right? Mm-hmm. So strategy, I mean, strategy is actually just just to dispel the myth if anybody mm-hmm. thinks strategy. And I think people get like, ooh, strategy. Uh, <laughs> strategy is actually, in my opinion, this is my opinion, of course, mm-hmm. and I could definitely be bashed to death about this, but um, is a fairly shallow field of knowledge. Hmm. I know there's lots of books. Yeah, yeah. And I know, like we were talking about, I know there's lots of content. For sure. But really the actual process yeah. is actually not expansive this running a strategic process is not um every single human being does it Mm -hmm. every single human being knows how to do it right every single human being does it often Mm -hmm. every it's just that when you apply it with rigor and diligence and a level of kind of commitment to it then it can provoke change right Mm -hmm. it can provoke a different strategy right but it's not so you know, I'm kind of... It's not rocket science. No. Yeah. It's really... A huge part of it is just being able to do critical thinking. Is mm-hmm. to just understand your own natural biases and how you look at things. And mm-hmm. separating yourself and trying to understand, you know, from which perspective you're coming from. But then try and separate yourself from that and have a more holistic or global view mm-hmm. on what's happening. Mm-hmm. Without mm-hmm. painting it with your experience. For sure. That's the beginning, middle, and end of strategy in a way, right? Is not yeah. tainting everything with your own perspective. Right. right? Um, Insert Zen meditation here, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is where we're going to go all into metacognition. And... <laughs> we won't. Right? Just get yeah. the headspace out. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I just to solve all for good. all that. No, <laughs> there you go. That's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, that. Um, it's like, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the work is like we're in an interesting time, obviously, around that stuff. And mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. are talking a lot about, you know, um, you know, consciousness, you yeah. know, and that and it, it is I don't like nobody's none of my work is about that. But that is that does surface in my work, but not mm-hmm. in a way that. Uh, is woo-woo. Like, I don't... Right, right. You know, there is no chakra work or crystals. Right. You know what I mean? It doesn't involve spoons, and they're not being spoons, or they're no, being spoons. No, no, <laughs> But there are Once. times where... There are times where people get in their heads and, you know, don't understand that, that they're telling themselves a story. Right, Right? Yeah. We all have a narrative. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes that narrative is not helping you. Right. Sometimes your narrative is undermining you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if nobody tells you and you just keep going, you know, it's like having bad thoughts or negative thoughts. And we're yeah. all capable of that. And we're all capable of beating ourselves up. And we're sure. all capable of like, um, you know, and I think sometimes negative. Do you, ever, you remember when you're a kid and you'd ride your bike and you'd be riding along the sidewalk, but you'd get close to the edge right. and you'd have that feeling like you can't turn away. Right. Do you remember? Yeah. And you're riding like right on the edge of the sidewalk for whatever reason you can't turn back to the middle. Yeah. That's kind of like it's negative like thoughts. magnetic or something. Yeah, it's like, I'm yeah. going to go over. And <laughs> right. it's like, that's to me like having negative thoughts. Sometimes you just yeah. get in that, on that edge. Right. I'm really going to fail. And I can't really turn fail. away. I totally I fail. Yeah. I'm going to fail. Yeah. And it's just, I can't turn away. 
And it's right. sometimes if somebody else says, turn away. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. That's an option. Yeah. So that's what I do. <laughs> I just yell, right. turn away. About... <laughs> right. right. And so that's the 20 years of. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, it's interesting. You said coach earlier, but I think um, it might be a little bit more apropos to say almost player coach. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you've done it. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. Being I'm not, inserted in, yeah, and read a lot of books, and yeah, you know, that's exactly. And I'm not schools. an academic. Yeah, I mean, I sure. do, I do a little bit of teaching yeah. or training yeah. or educating, but that's not yeah. my. Uh, that's uh, that's just a good exercise for me to try and formalize my process and mm-hmm. share it with people who are trying to learn. <clears throat> um, I'm absolutely um, a practitioner. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not uh, an academic. Right, um, for sure. I, I'm in, I'm interested in learning and 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 research and I like doing it. Yeah. But I, as far as like the uh, the academic structure, I don't need mm-hmm. if you know that doesn't really light me up. Uh, but the actual research does mm-hmm. and the work does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I'm a practitioner and I've been in lots of businesses and I've done lots of businesses and I've I've uh, been operating lots of businesses. I've led lots of businesses. Mm-hmm. I've been very <laughs> active. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, all of that cumulative experience, as I always say, a lot of it is actually just helping people not make the same mistakes I've made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've made lots of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. You, you don't go into however many businesses I've been in. I think yeah, yeah. somebody, I think it, some, it, somebody had a list like that, but somebody told yeah. me it was seventeen in yeah. the last like twenty years. So yeah. seventeen yeah, active. Close, yeah. Something like that, right? Yeah. And that's a lot, yeah. like for 20 years, because that means like almost one every 18 months, you're not even. Right, right. Now, some of them overlap, and some of them when you're advising, you're with multiple, like right now, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, anytime I'm like maybe helping six to 10 companies at right. any given time right now. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my threshold. Mm-hmm. I've never, I intentionally never max myself out, and I, ne- and I never ever kind of book myself full time because I, then I would have no, I need the white space, if you will, yeah. to think, right? Yeah. To, like, and also like I need to be available if something is challenging. Right. And so if any one of my clients has like an emergency, yeah, I need to be able to do it. Right. And I think they all know that too. So mm-hmm. they all give me a lot of space. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like they, none of them, like generally speaking, none of them sort of say, this is when that's happening and you need to be there. I have right. none of that. Right. And in right. fact, I schedule all the board meetings and the management meetings. Oh, that's interesting. Like, yeah. So it's not scheduled and then I just show up. Right. Because... Uh, part, partly because I probably am the limited commodity and not to say that in any kind of egotistical way. It's just yeah. that the way I'm doing my work, I need to really be dynamic and for sure move around. Yeah, and for so, sure. Um, but yeah, definitely <laughs> like practitioner. And I definitely, um, at the end of the day, the, the thing that is really fun about my work is really just like anybody, it's like helping people be successful. Mm-hmm. That's just so fun. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's like I, like I, sometimes I kick myself, you know, or pinch myself. Yeah. yeah. I got a really good job. Right. And I never knew I was going to do this at all. Yeah. Like I had no plan to do this, right? Like this, this has definitely happened to me. I did not happen to it. Like I did not, this is like a byproduct of just my life turning out this way. Right. Right. I didn't have an aspiration. Yeah. You're going to do this later. I mean, it's sort of a. I think there was a turning point when my son was sick where I realized that I had mm-hmm. to, um, in order to take care of my family, I had to reinvent myself mm-hmm. in the way that I needed to. Mm-hmm. And part of that meant being more 
more focused and deliberate when I was working so that when I wasn't working, I could be more focused and deliberate mm -hmm. about my family, about taking care of my family. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, I had to stop being so 24-7 workaholic guy. Yeah. yeah, I had to be able to compartmentalize my work yeah. in order to be able to go and deal. Yeah. And that process, I think, really changed. Like, that was definitely the pivot point in my life where mm -hmm. I really transformed who I was in my work mm -hmm. to being a lot. I became much more effective. Mm -hmm. And I really, my time value equation shifted, right? Like, I, mm -hmm. I became, I valued my own time much higher. Yeah. And in doing so, <coughs> I, it really became more valuable. My mm -hmm. time became much more valuable. To me and to other people, right. and that was just a. It kind of was like I didn't. I probably I don't know if I would have had that same experience had I not had that experience, you know, with Noah. So mm -hmm. it was like kind of in a weird way. It's like a positive outcome of a really negative experience. Right, silver lining. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there really are none in kid in childhood cancer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there there's no. You know, whenever any really actually, let me go this. There's a there's a person in the community right now whose child is quite sick, and there is no there's really not much he can say, honestly. Uh, like when I bumped into her at a social event, and she told me what was going on, and you know, all you can really do is hold space for them and and sort of let them know that you care and that they're. But like, there's no there is no silver lining. Because it's just like it's your kind of when your child is sick, it's your worst nightmare. Yeah. And you just, but it's your real life, you know? Yeah. So you just kind of try and get through it. And right. there's really two, there's two parts. You gotta, yeah, it's like kind of a little ideological, but you know, try and hold on to hope. Mm -hmm. Right? Hope is really important because mm -hmm. there's always hope until there isn't. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. Mm -hmm. and the other thing is, is the healthcare system is there to, uh, to treat, but they're also there to reduce pain. Mm -hmm. But they don't do anything for fear. Mm -hmm. That's not really their job. Mm -hmm. And if you leave it to them, they might not do it right. No offense to them, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Sure. So as a parent, that's the thing you got to focus on is reducing your child, like getting your child out of fear. Mm -hmm. Because they will take care of pain, you take care of fear. Right. And that's a really clear delineation that I had when I was going through that was... That's your job. Yeah. My job is... They will deal with pain. I will deal with fear. Right? Yeah. And it's, fear is almost the opposite of hope. Right? Yeah. It's like the... You know, if you're stuck in fear, you're not very hopeful. So right. you gotta... Hope is a good way to move yourself out of fear. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> you mind if we just return to uh, strategy? Yeah. Because, Let's go back to... Yeah. Because I think a lot of people... Yeah. Uh, would be really interested in you know, maybe a few tips. Uh, yeah, can, so sure. Know. Like I, I, like it's funny. Like I, so it, this is like anybody at Royal Roads. If you're listening, I apologize because I teach an eight week course on strategy that could be taught in three seconds. No, but it, I mean I'm joking, but I'm not. Like, but learned in twenty years. There's well, there's <laughs> I mean this is the thing, right? There's 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 all this information, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and you gather it. And that's extrinsic, that's external analysis, that's your SWATs, that's your Porter's Five Forces, that's your, like all of the strategic processes, it's the blue ocean, it's mm -hmm. the, it's all just like external analysis. Let's mm -hmm. just sum it up. Right. Collect all the information you can mm -hmm. and try and figure out what matters. Mm -hmm. And then go inside 
Mm-hmm. And try and figure out what to do mm-hmm. based on all of the findings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's strategy. Mm-hmm. It's not more complex than that. Right. That's not an oversimplification. That's reality. <laughs> we all do it differently. You know, um, but the, the, I mean, the tip is, the biggest tip is uh, that I would have really does go back to that, that, what I mentioned, which is critical thinking, which is mm-hmm. what I would say is, is like, in the moment that you think you have the answer, try and find at least two more good answers. You know, try and give yourself optionality mm-hmm. on what, because if something is just so apparently the only answer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometimes we convince ourselves, you know, we have that bias, right? That right. Um, com- affirmation bias or confirmation bias mm-hmm. to just like affirm our first right answer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is not where you should stop. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is not where you should shift into action. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to want to say, oh, I'm going to rethink that and give it another go and look at it another way. It's not really how we do it as human beings. Um, So that that'd be an important tip. And then the and then the other thing is, is like, especially when you're working in an organization and a team is make sure that there is a collective commitment to executing Mm -hmm. the strategy, Mm -hmm. you know, because strategies don't work when they roll down off mountains. Mm. You know what I mean? They're the embodiment of the organization. They're the idea that everybody has decided to lean in on each other and work together to make something happen. Right. And so, you know, the worst kinds of strategies are the ones where, you know, the fearless leader hatches something, writes it on the whiteboard, calls a family meeting, tells everybody this is what we're doing, and everybody goes back to their desk. Right. Right, and it's just like, well, that's not gonna work. Right, right. More often than not, even if it had the potential to work, Mm So, you know, it's the, you know, the execution is more important in a way, you know, I've seen some really poorly articulated strategies executed very well. Mm. You know, I've seen exceptional strategies. I, I, they, they, if they aren't executed well, they fail, even if they're exceptionally well thought out strategies. Right. So your strategy is only as good as your execution, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. so, um, and, and so, yeah, I think. That whole balance of like how much how much information do we need and how do we decide what's important in making a decision mm-hmm. is really the you know is strategy um, strategy like the word itself I I think is challenging for me you know ideologically now because really it was kind of born out of war mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and conflict mm-hmm. and it very much has this idea of winners and losers mm-hmm. and. You know, really, if anything in business in my life has taught me is, is that there's enough opportunity for everyone. Yeah. And so, like, the idea that we have to compete is not really the answer. You know, we just yeah. have to actually be good at right. what we do. Right. And everybody just has to be really good at what they do and deliver value mm-hmm. and create value. Mm-hmm. And it'll work. You know, and I think we get caught up in trying to be the best or better or mm-hmm. always trying to, like, compare ourselves to everybody right. else. Right, so there's and, a loser. Yeah, and like, you know, a huge part of, then this is why, te- like, teaching strategy is actually kind of hard for me because a lot of strategy in the academic world and in the kind of corporate world is about competition. Right. Competition. Yeah, right. It's like, and I think it's good to benchmark yourself, mm-hmm. but I think only, but the most important thing is to, like, really understand what you want to achieve or your organization wants to achieve, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then to try and measure yourself against your own desire and commitment to it. Mm-hmm. is more important than just trying to be better than someone else, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a trap, that yeah. trap of like, 
we're not good enough unless we're better than them. You know, right. we're not good enough unless we're, and I think that's a trap, you know, and yeah. that, but there's a bigger underlying challenge in that, right? If we distill back, where is that coming from? And a mm-hmm. lot of that is driven out of, you know, capitalism and kind of being, it's like taking down more than your share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right? Ideologically, right. right. I want more than you. Yeah. 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 And it's dividing a, a, a pie. Yeah. Which there is, there is no. Yeah, when I was a kid, pie. when I was a kid, there was this. Um, my parents took us to these like, I had new age hippie parents, and so they took us to like workshops and stuff, right? So I had like that kind of upbringing, and one of the things that we went and did was, um, they uh, they piled a whole bunch of M and M's on the table, so there'd be this pile of M and M's between you and I, right yeah. on the table here, and they're like, okay, you guys, you get one at a time. You're gonna arm wrestle for an M and M. Right. And, you know, my brothers, I have a younger brother and older brother, and we are competitive. Like, in a, when we were younger, mm-hmm. because you wrestle, you're yeah. playing sports, you're doing that stuff. Yeah. We're not at all competitive now. We're highly collaborative and cooperative, and we all try and do stuff together all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I certainly don't, I don't think, I don't feel I measure myself by them mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they do either. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the M&M exercise, if you're really, if both people are aware, you quickly realize, well, I should just let you win. And then you let me win. I let you win. You let me win. Uh-huh. And before you know it, you've eaten all the M&Ms. Right. But if we're going to sit here and battle out, and you know what it feels like you ever, if you've arm wrestled, yeah. one arm wrestle is exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> the idea that you're going to do 20 yeah. or 50 to get an M&M. Right. <laughs> It's not very and bragging rights and right bragging yeah but like you know they're pretty anticlimactic aren't yeah, they at yeah, the end of the day true, when your true. arms like a noodle and the pile of M and M's is still there yeah, you know that's a good point yeah. and so and that just like such a like what a basic way of understanding that if we don't cooperate right then and we just compete then we ain't getting the chocolate yeah 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 <laughs> everyone wants the chocolate yeah um, you. Uh, sparked a few thoughts uh, in my mind. So I've been studying Aikido for you know uh, over ten years now, and um, it's all about non-competitiveness. There's no competitions, yeah. and I had an epiphany, you know, maybe halfway or so through it, where um, you know, being I, I think probably male, we're very competitive, you know, mm-hmm. um, but then also probably being in the military and you know just naturally probably competitive and whatnot. Um, so that was that was put upon me, you know, it's like, you know, that mirrored back to me that that's what I'm doing is I want to fight, but I'm going there to learn to not fight. And yet I'm fighting. Right. And in, and so he showed me that, you know, when you're, when you're directly across from someone, you know, you're, you're, you you have to oppose another force mm-hmm. unless you change your angle, mm-hmm. especially if you change it drastically, 180 or 320 or mm-hmm. something like that. And all of a sudden you have captured the force, right? right? And that was just a real epiphany. And I think, and, and it really carried over into my you know professional life and personal life where um, you really have to, to notice that I think that's inherently you human, you know, that, that we have to, we, we have a survival instinct, mm-hmm. but we're in modern times. We have the ability to, you know, view ourselves from a different perspective and not do a primitive, 
you know, uh, response, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so that really, that really, you know, um, was very valuable for me. Um, and a second thing that I'd heard along the way uh, was in business, you don't have to be better than someone else, but you do have to be number one. It doesn't mean they have to be number two, yeah. you know, or the first loser, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Second's the first loser, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, uh, well, yeah. So not first, you're last. There he goes. Yeah. Well, right. And then let's turn the race around. Right, right. But being number one in whatever you do. Yeah. Right. You're the best yeah. at what? Well, it's, you know, totally. And I mean, like even hotels, you could say, like the W Hotel is the best at something totally different than. Yeah. The other hotels, yeah, they have a particular experience. Yeah, and I, I mean, <clears throat> so particular value. Totally, and yeah. like, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think yeah. it is like that is a societal thing. Clearly, yeah. like you know, we, um, yeah, you know, I mean, we're, we're, it's it's an it it provokes a kind of a bigger conversation around kind of what all you know, like what um, evolutionary psychology. Right. It's really mm-hmm. like, where are we at? Like, how far are we really from smashing each other with rocks? Right. Right. In a way. Yeah. Like, and, and where are our minds at and how do we utilize our mind? Mm-hmm. We all know, we've all heard the reports. We've all been told that we're not actually utilizing that much of our brain. Right. right? We've yeah. all, you know, and, but what's, what's, what, I mean, on a positive note, where I think we are in society now is a lot more people are asking what are we capable of? What can we do? Like, there's a lot more work going on in that way than ever was before. So that's really positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we see like the downside of, so I, you know, I think about um, the way our brain works in terms of when we get, when we get thrown into fight, fight or flight or freeze mm-hmm. and how those, what, what are like, um, you know, behavioral traits that have been around a million years or whatever. Mm-hmm those um don't fit into society in the way right like and they made up a huge part of our existence up until 100 years ago up until 100 years ago yeah they were the most important thing right and now they don't fit right but like but we haven't you know so if like like if you look at a any other animal or mammal and you look at one from 100 years ago and you look at it today yeah like seagulls it kind of looks exactly the, same. the same. Yeah, I mean, they might <laughs> right. have better access to food because of humans, right. but like it doesn't look different. But we look very different, right? Right, and so we're in a really transformative time, and I think it's an interesting time that way. And I think life is interesting. You know, like in the world, I'm. You know, there's a lot of we have a lot of technology. Mm-hmm. You know, we're starting to see how technology is really changing. Uh, you know, I mean, well, I don't know if you've tracked like, you know, the Kurzweil stuff and the singularity or you, oh, yeah. so, you know, and like robotics and AI and right. it's like buzzword city. I'm not going to say yeah. like blockchain and cannabis or else it's block. And then it's like, then it's buzzword bingo. 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 Right. But you know, yeah. what I did want to say is like sure. uh, in, in, in my way of thinking, like we're starting to actually try and look at our brain like a muscle in a way that we need to train and work with and, and develop and build on rather than looking at it like kind of master control that we can never touch. And even though when I look at neuroscience and I look at the way that like the science, it's rudimentary right now. Like anybody who tells me neuroscience is like giving us the answers. I'm like, 
not really. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you look at it, it's not. It's interesting, but it's not like we're not all going running out and getting a device and rewiring our brain, are we? Right. You know, well, we're doing it sort of unconsciously with our yeah. smartphones. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> That's like only could fit inside <laughs> yeah. my head. But like you know, so but in our experience yeah. of it, we're all aware that our brain is something that we are managing, right? And. Um, and so I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. And I think like, for me, that is definitely in my, like in my, cause I'm like, so, you know, being where I'm at in my life, you know, definitely. So if I look at it, you know, my, the shift that's occurring for me in my life. And I think this happens for most people who get into their kind of what I'll call middle age. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is, is like, I feel like what's happening is, is my desire to, um, uh, uh, you know, is to, to, to I brought this word up the other day and, and somebody was like, actually Dan and I argued about this in a really healthy way. Uh, I said legacy and he was like, well, that presumes you matter, you know? And it was like, we ended up in that conversation. I'm like, oh, here we go. But you know what my point was, was, um, not legacy so much as like, I want the world to have some version of me to be acknowledged or for who I was while I was on this planet. He calls it the dirt ball hurtling through space. That's yeah. how he describes it. We yeah. are the pink blobs of flesh, organic flesh on the dirt ball hurtling through space. <laughs> so that's where we're starting. Stains, the, really. We're starting the conversation <laughs> there. Very hard for me to so get zoomed to like out. <laughs> zoomed zoomed out, out. You're saying, yeah, yeah, gotcha. And you know, and that we don't matter. And so it's like, okay, yeah, I get all that, but I'm here right now, and we're having a Starbucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but. What I was thinking, when I think about it, I think like when legacy is not so much about like the body of my work, really what it is. And this is really is I want my children to be proud of me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. You know, and I think that's, you know, and maybe that and and the reason is, is because then I want them to be inspired enough in their lives to do something more, too. And I think that, you know, um in, as a kid, I grew up in a, in a predominantly First Nations community. Mm. And, I mean, they have a lot of shit figured out. Yeah. They have yeah. a lot of stuff figured out For that sure. we don't have figured out. Yeah. In the way that they relate to each other, mm-hmm. in the way that they have hold family values. I mean, especially, like, to me, something that really, the, the idea of seven generations, like, the way they make decisions. Like, mm-hmm. like I live my life thinking about that. Like I, you know, I really do. Like I really try in my own mind to think about what is the long-term effect of this. And when I say long-term, I'm just thinking like 100, 200 year right, effect of this. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that I'm like, you know, uh, running around trying to hand sort recycling for the world. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I got to do it in my own way, whatever that is. Right. But it means that I'm trying to be mindful because... I think being mindful, I think where we are in the world with information and society, I think strategically, and we'll get back to strategy, we have to be better. Right. Collectively and individually. Mm-hmm. I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. I think there's not a person on the planet, well, maybe Trump, but yeah. had to work that in too, oh, who thinks we're doing good the enough. Word, yeah. Like, and I'm not being hard on us. I'm yeah. saying, like, we just need to, like, are we sustainable? Right. I don't think most people right. think we are. I don't right. know. Yeah. I don't, in my gut, I don't sort of have that existential dread every night of like, yeah. 
Right. Mm, gonna, I don't do that because that's not within my control. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, what can you do about that? Like, yeah. you're going to... Very well, little. Right. But what you can do mm. is what you can do. Mm. And so the question is, is if you wake up in the morning and you say, you know, I'm going to do exactly what I did yesterday. Well, then you will. Right. But, you know, if you do like, I'm going to do exactly what I did yesterday, I'm going to be a little better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try a little harder. I'm going to be nicer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a little more... Uh, giving I'm going to be a little kinder I'm going to be a little more thoughtful yeah. I'm going to put a little more effort into things that are important to me or to other people I care about yeah. that little bit you know mm-hmm. if you can get in a pattern and then if we you know ideologically if we were all doing that I think we have a better shot you know yeah. so that that's like and that sounds overly simplistic and a lot of that's very idealistic but right, right, in a right. way right, right, I think right. as parents right and you know that's yeah I was just talking to my daughter last night who's who's almost five you know just like how can I make your life better you know mm-hmm. how you doing these days you know yeah. do you feel loved you know that type of like these questions that Sometimes you don't ask kids. Yeah. Probably don't ask kids. Yeah. You know, but you would maybe just ask your friend or, right. you know, how you doing these days? Right. You know? And so now, and Sometimes then you don't ask that's an awesome question. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you think about it, so like, here we are, 2018, <clears throat> you're asking your five-year-old daughter that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, it's been some so when I was five, <laughs> right, I had a really loving kind. I actually had breakfast with him this morning, my mm. father. Mm. Uh, he didn't ask me that. Mm-hmm. And my dad was in the... Mm-hmm. 0.5 percentile of caring fathers right Hippies. in the world yeah hippie new age yeah. doctor progressive, yeah. progressive. uh-huh yeah never asked me that <clears throat> right you know so we are getting better right you know we are doing better you know like in that way more people are aware yeah more people are conscious and i think we're doing better jobs as parents i think uh an area that's really really important that we haven't really gotten into in a way that needs to really take some huge steps is self-care with kids I think Mm. teaching kids to take care of themselves better Mm. is massively important and I don't think Mm. we've really in our in our evolution have figured that out yet Mm. and so you know it's kind of like and I'm not talking like hey Bobby don't run into traffic kind of self-care yeah it's like Bobby how do you feel how are you doing with your feelings like managing yeah your your feelings self-regulating right self-regulation is huge and self we're starting to talk with our kids about that actually yeah, yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's a fascinating subject and yeah. um, one that's near and dear to me. You know, probably if I was to talk about one project that I'm working on right now, back to the list, it'd oh, be yeah. uh, um, about three years ago, I, well, I guess about five years ago, I had an awareness. I was um, listening to my son play, like he's on a lacrosse team, so I'm a lacrosse dad. Yeah. And I was listening to them talk about, um, we were so my hotel room was the hotel room that they all gathered in okay, yeah. on this particular occasion because yeah. uh, because I would put my earphones in and get on my laptop and imagine they weren't there. Mm-hmm. And so there'd be like eight 12-year-old boys in my hotel room, mm-hmm. you know, trying not to wreck my hotel room, but like just talking about whatever they wanted because Noah's dad has got his earphones in and is not listening. Right. Right? But I could hear. Yeah. So... And what I realized was just the vibe and just having a, having a familiar, familiarity and a awareness of anxiety and depression was that there were two or three kids in the room, two kids in particular mm. were struggling with a high degree of anxiety mm. and a third kid seemed uh, quite depressed. Mm. So and there's only eight kids in the room and three of them are right. clearly showing signs of mental exhaustion, fatigue and stress in a way that is clearly not healthy. 
30, 40%. Yeah. And it's happening at that age at 12, 13. And I'm like, okay. And it really kind of shook me, you know, it was like, oh shit. Like it's because you know, when you, we function in like, I go through society thinking, well, it's not happening to my kids. You know, that's the first, they're good. Right. They go to good school. They all, they're healthy, eat their vegetables, you know, like, I don't know, like, we just want to, you know, not, it's like, uh, what do you call it, blissful naivety. Right, yeah, naivety, yeah. Positive deniability, whatever it is. So, see this happening, and it occurs to me, I'm like, and I'm also seeing, like, the higher level of addictive use of the the smartphones, right? So, all of this is happening simultaneously. And, like, okay, youth mental health is going ballistic. It's an epidemic. We're, mm-hmm. we're kind of acknowledging it, but not. Mm-hmm. And we're also handing out smartphones like crazy to kids. Yeah. And uh, so I started thinking, well, what if we could actually use these things to make kids healthier or better? Mm-hmm. Novel concept. Mm-hmm. Um, did a kind of went kind of crazy over a few days and did a whole bunch of research. And because I was uh, connected into the uh, academic research networks through Royal Roads where mm-hmm. I teach part-time mm-hmm. I was able to access a whole bunch of kind of scholarly articles mm-hmm. on the use of technology to improve mental health for sure yeah interesting subject cool found a video game in New Zealand mm. that was built on a cognitive behavioral therapy platform mm. in order to help kids with anxiety and stress mm. I flew down there I met with, it was developed by the University of Auckland by, uh, um, her name, I don't know her last name, Sally. <laughs> so I know her, uh, was the, you know, psychologist who came up with it and was kind of the original conceiver of it. And I met with her and her team. And uh, here we are two years later, a month ago, I just signed a North American licensing agreement to bring this game that kids play that helps, that delivers cognitive behavioral therapy to them while they're playing this video game. Wow. Cool, eh? That's totally cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they play the game. Yeah. And it helps them to self-regulate and it helps them to self-understand and self-care. Right. And the funny thing is it's a first-person shooter. <laughs> How weird is that? Wow. I have got to see this. Yeah. What it's it called was. Sparks. Sparks. Yeah. And you can't get it, but you soon will from us. Um, but like that's just a small project, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it becomes a big project. Um, but that that's the kind of thing that I get excited about now in my life and in my work where mm-hmm. I can do something like that, where I can use my... Uh, understanding of how to build, launch, grow tech companies, but then apply it to things that maybe matter more, you know, like maybe just, or have, have the potential of having uh, more impact. Right. That sort of, you know, microcosm of the, and then in my work and in my life, that idea of legacy and purpose. Right. That allows me to feel like that's stuff I feel proud of and that's stuff my kids can relate to. Right. And uh, I mean, that's, you know, I'll say this probably for a lot of people because I do have, I have been very fortunate and, and lucky and a lot of good things have happened for me. I've had some adversity too, but I certainly, that would be a tall ask to just say to everybody, hey, go do that. That's not, but I think in everybody in their own way can find mm-hmm. their way of doing that. Right. And yeah. So, yeah. Even though we're all just pink stains on a what dirt was ball, it? dirt ball, through that's space. Right, dirt ball. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and none of it matters in the first That's place. That's right. And it was just a blink of time yeah. and some other... I think you can go to, obviously, you know, the nothing matters anyway thing, obviously. Are there movies about that? Yeah. You know, is that like the zombie apocalypse or yeah, is that yeah. like where we all just go mad? Right, you know, because right. obviously, uh, 
that's not the human condition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The human condition is to care. Um, where can people find out more about you? That's a good question. I've never yeah. been asked that. <laughs> I'm kind of in stealth mode in my own way. You okay. Know? I mean, I, run, I mean, obviously, I'm on LinkedIn and um, I, uh, howcreative.ca is my kind of personal website, my family hold co. Mm-hmm. But there's not there's not a lot there. So you don't know? tweet. I don't tweet. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Uh, uh, you know, social media for me is sort of something I'm trying to figure out whether or not it has a place in my life right now. Yeah. In a way. Uh, I think it's sort of, um, you know, I'm of the generation, like I didn't, you know, I think I had my first cell phone when I was like almost 30. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do actually because so, I was 26. Yeah. So yeah. it's sort of like I don't have the yeah. same level of attachment yeah. to yeah. being online. Um, for sure. You know, I like I like to say I like, you know, I'm pretty analog. Um, right. I, I mean... I think actually, you know, like in the next few months, so I'm, I'm, I am working on, um, doing some more publishing and mm-hmm. thinking more about like sort of, uh, the curriculum, if you will, and the, mm-hmm. the stuff I've been thinking about and the stuff I'm working on around self-care and self-regulation. And mm-hmm. so I do, I have been in the last few years doing some kind of what I'll call running some live experiments and doing like workshops and talks and that's been really positive so I think that mm-hmm. stuff is kind of growing because it feels good I, I, there's part of me that's kind of shy and 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 it may not seem like that but you know like likes likes the feeling of anonymity and privacy so I'm working through that because that's mm-hmm. just part of my journey but yeah. you know what I mean yeah but the other side of me is it's like I know that at the end of the day I've had a really great um it's very it's been very rewarding for me and I've had a great uh, response from when I do have when I do get the motivation to share and mm-hmm. teach and train that it's been really positive so mm-hmm. I think there's more of that in my future but I just don't know exactly how it's going to show up yeah I like that um, I like what you're saying now for, uh, and tying it back to uh, the First Nations mm-hmm. that you're you know I was just having this conversation yesterday um, with a, a good friend of mine who's um, who's actually sponsoring this podcast mm-hmm. um, and, and folks will hear more about, more about them at the end but um, um, they do great work at uh, uh, Roundtable um, and what the work that they do with First Nations sort of exposes this um, brilliance this genius this deep knowledge that, of course, existed, mm-hmm. you know, before, mm-hmm. you know, our cultures came from Europe, and um, uh, and and I and I read somewhere they talk about, um, I mean, not to say specific First Nations, but um, you know, uh, uh, scientists or whatever, you know, sociologists talk about um, how sure there's five senses we're always, you know, describing, but really there's more, and they talk about all these cultures, not to say First Nations exactly, but um, of all the cultures in the world, they actually talk about many other senses, mm-hmm. you know, like from Maori and Indians and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, uh, such as like your gut mm-hmm. and other systems in your body. You know, mm-hmm. Chinese, uh, you know, have ways of describing them that we can't in, in Western medicine. Yeah. And it, it's, I think it's just getting back to this whole, there's this deeper human ex- experience like we're, we're not 100% aware of getting yeah. back to this whole y- using a limited part of your brain um, where we're, we're, we're just trying to sort of eke out a little bit more 
knowledge that we've known just over the last even 300 years, like yeah. quote unquote modern medicine, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. like, you know, they're drilling people's, you know, holes in people's skulls like not that long ago. Yeah. Right. And bloodletting. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, the guy actually, yeah. a doctor where I grew up in Port Hardy actually went home and got a hand drill and tapped into a guy's skull in Port Hardy in the hospital while my dad was in that hospital oh, in order God. to relieve the, the cranial bleed pressure. Wow. That actually happened That's my, when I lived there. I like that. Wow. Yeah, he's an amazing. I won't yeah. mention his name because yeah, you might not sure. want the story told. And no. the person lived and was good. So it's a, it is a miracle story because a guy was going to die. Right. Right. Because sure. like it's an industrial town, right? So there's yeah. lots of like mining, logging, fishing accidents. Right. Right. And uh, I think he got hit in the head by a log or something. But you know, right. the stalker who is like yeah. the classic like small frontier town doctor. Right. Was like we need to relieve the pressure and like he didn't have the appropriate tool. So he ripped home and got like a hand drill, hand drill like non-powered hand drill, right. and screwed hand into cranked. the skull, hand cranked into Insane. the guy's skull. Like, Incredible. oh my god, yeah, that actually yeah. happened. <laughs> right. Like, that's not fiction. I'm like that. <laughs> yeah, should be fiction. Right, right, right. But you know, it was yeah. like you know, it's funny. It was, yeah, but you know, I think you're right. You know, like we. Um, we're in an interesting time. I, I actually, like, I think I did go through a period in my life where it felt like pretty. Well, my kids asked me, they were like, if you could have been born at any time in, you know, in the history of civilization, when would you have been born? Right. You know, and uh, my first answer was when my grandparents were born, because it was the end of the wars, the end of the, or they were young enough to go through the Second World War without actually being a part of it. Uh-huh. Right. So they were young teens or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then they came out of that and then there really wasn't and then the Vietnam War mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of and then they died before we figured out that we were fucking ourselves up mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. like all of my grandparents died before we actually had the epiphany of right. oh we're burning up the ozone and we're eating you know and we're at civil unrest like we've never been and we're ideologically creating microterrorism everywhere and right, right, you know all right. of the things that we're all aware yeah, of now climate crisis thanks yeah. google news you know <laughs> like but at the same time you know we have this incredible global awareness sure. of how we're self-destructing right and they died before that came along right and so they kind of lived in their nice little bubble yeah the and naivete they, the naivete, naivete yeah, sure. right yeah. Uh, yeah but then after i thought about it i thought actually no yeah. i think you know, the youngest people, because in a way, and this is new for me, yeah, there's great adversity, but there's also great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then now, you know, like, just like anything, you know, strategically solve your own problems. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm happy with when I was born. Now it turns out I'm good with it. I'm yeah. good when I was born. I'm good with where I'm at. I, optimism has, is like, has returned to my life in a way that wasn't there for a while. For a while, I felt it was pretty like, man, you know, and, and there are reasons, Trump, yeah. to, to feel, right? Again, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to go into it, but there are reasons to not feel great sometimes by things, yeah. but, you know, they pass. Yeah. And, and you see, and there's, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I guess I have a lot more faith in the, in youth and, the way mm-hmm. that, you know, like I know we, it's, you know, the talk of millennials and how yeah. they, you know, you know, there's a lot of kind of what I'll call criticism of their kind of the way that they show up in the world and how they're kind of narcissistic or whatever. And that's right. the perception. Right. And, 
But my experience is, is they actually care a lot more about the world than we did. Mm-hmm. They care a lot more about each other, mm-hmm. like, than we did. Mm-hmm. So, I'd take that. Yeah. Even though... If it comes with a little bit of narcissism, right? That's okay with me, <laughs> because that's gonna make it. Yeah. That's gonna solve the problem better than well. I'm really humble, but I'm into world domination. Yeah, <laughs> like <I got laughs> humble domination. Yeah, you know, like I don't. I go with that one. That one there sounds better than that. So, you know, so it's just interesting, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, humble domination. Yeah, I think I have to run. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming here. Absolutely, man. Thanks again to Colin for joining us and check out his consulting agency at howcreative.ca. Special thanks to our sponsor, Roundtable Consulting. Please do consider them for any facilitation or strategic planning needs, as well as reconciliation and diversity training. Our website is codedincanada.com. Our audio engineer is David Schwab. Our theme song is by Mandinder Benning. Our logo is by Mel McNeese. I'm Sean Crabtree, and thanks again for joining us at Coded in Canada.